Okay, we're back on this Wednesday, and that means it's time for vaccine researcher Dr. Iris Gorfinkel. And Dr. Gorfinkel, ever since Friday, when news of this new variant broke, I've been waiting for this moment to get on one of our most trusted sources, Dr. Gorfinkel, to talk about this. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Okay, Omicron, can you bring us up to speed, first of all, as to what is the latest regarding this variant? Because it seems like, Dr. Gorfinkel, there's information coming every other hour about this. It's changing. It's nonstop. And I want to start with transmissibility, if we could. Is this new variant, do we know, is it more transmissible? I'll let the facts speak for themselves. This Omicron variant of concern was identified just three weeks ago. Three weeks. And what's happened since that time, it is now, as we speak, according to the UK Telegraph, been identified in 23 countries. That's all you need to know. Is it more transmissible? In spades, on steroids, overwhelmingly, yes. I don't think that's even up for debate at this point. Mm -hmm. And what is the reason for that? Do we know? Why is this so highly transmissible? Well, it's got a spike protein, which is a lot more competitive than the previous spike proteins it had. Consider this. Delta had some 11 mutations on its spike protein. And with that, it was able to make people have a thousand times the virus when they were infected, literally a thousand times. This one has three times that number. Three times the number. It's over 30 mutations on the spike protein, some of which we have never seen before. And that's why you're seeing this world reaction to it. It's not just that it's more transmissible. It's also that we're uncertain how effective our vaccines are going to be against it because all of our vaccines are aimed at that spike protein. Just quick reminder, refresher course here, the spike protein is what that virus uses as a key to enter our cells. Okay, so since you mentioned vaccines, let me skip to that and ask you, how effective are the current array of vaccines against this new variant? I know we had Moderna's CEO out the other day saying that, not sure, not sure whether Moderna is going to stand up to this and they might have to, you know, for lack of a more elegant description, find a better recipe or a different uh, recipe for their uh, vaccine. Do we know how effective our current vaccines are against this? The answer is we simply do not know at this point. It's just too early. And basically, we're going to get that data from a few sources. First, they're going to break down the data of what's going on in South Africa. Now, as it turns out, South Africa, only one in four individuals there has been vaccinated altogether. And they give a combination of four different vaccinations, including Pfizer. But we, we don't have the full data on that. Secondly, these vaccine companies, Moderna, Pfizer, AstraZeneca, they're all trying to figure out the antibodies that their vaccine induces. How effective are those specific antibodies going to be against Omicron? So we think that's going to take, this is what they tell us, two to three weeks before we have some information on that. But what is the best source of information? Ultimately, it's real world data, and that takes time to get. Do I understand this correctly, though, and give us your take as a vaccine researcher that at the very least we've got a head start on this because of these mRNA uh, vaccines? There's essentially like a good base to them and it's just kind of tweaking them for this variant? Well, we do have a good head start. And part of the reason is for what you just mentioned. But another aspect to it is that we have not seen any of the variants not have not been prevented 
by the vaccines we have. So, so far, all of the variants, especially when it came to severe disease and hospitalization, were kept down by our existing vaccines. Now, the problem is we are seeing new mutations here that have not been seen before. So we can't be certain. And that's why when you look at these, when you listen to these companies, Moderna, I think I, kudos to them. They're calling it. They're saying, hey, we're not sure about this. We better watch it carefully. And Pfizer is giving the same, infirm, basically the same messaging, but Pfizer is being quite a bit more optimistic, saying, oh, we think ours is going to work. But they're also keeping their ear very closely to the ground. I don't think we can make any assumptions here. That's why the argument for booster shots in other countries is so strong right now. Yeah, let's talk about uh, booster shots, because that's being debated hotly now in this country, in Canada. Should we open up eligibility? Should boosters be made available uh, sooner to the population because of this uh, new variant, because of Omicron? Uh, if we're concerned that the current vaccines aren't going to be effective against this new variant, is there any use of going ahead with a booster shot until we know? Well, this is the thing. The, the shots that we have are the best shots there are. Like, they simply are. And not only that, but Canada's literally swimming in vaccine supply. You know, so if you take a look at what other countries are doing, if that's any guy, Israel has been giving booster shots already for over a month to its population. You know, it, the UK has now said everyone over the age of 18 can get booster shots every in, in just three months after that second dose. The United States has said booster shots for everyone over the age of 18. Again, that's six months. So I think Canada, I think we're dragging our feet on it. I think it's a travesty that my 50-year-old patient who's obese, a woman of color, a with a history of cancer, is sent for the vaccine and actually turned away. That's what's happening now. And that, and if no one would even argue that she's high risk. I'm incensed. I think that you know we need to see those booster shots being given out. And also family doctors have to have latitude in prescribing them. No one argues who's at high risk. You know, so what if they're one week short of the time? We just have to get them into arms because otherwise what's going to happen is there's going to be a run on the booster shots come the time that NASI finally does make that announcement, which, by the way, we're looking forward to Friday because that's when it's supposed to happen. But even so, I don't want there to be a, a big run on the vaccines. And then there's a problem getting in lineups with lots of people congregating. Mm -hmm. But is that going to happen, do you think, because mass vaccination for booster shots is what we're going to need? This is what it's going to take uh, to protect everybody from this uh, latest variant? Yeah, humble pie is taken. I mean, we really don't know with certainty if our current vaccines are going to prevent it. But they're one of the best shots we have. Of course, ongoing mitigation is also important because you think a mask cares what kind of variant it is? A mask is going to work no matter what variant it is. And same with hand washing. You know, so we get the mitigation part, but that booster part, you know, we know that if we look at Delta, mild to moderate disease is only controlled at about 45%. That's according to Israeli data when you get to, you know, six months after that second dose. So yes, that booster shot, it, it boosts it right back up to 95% protection against Delta. Now, will that translate into 95% protection against Omicron? Debatable. We don't know. We'll have to see. But it's still what we have. It's the best thing we have. You know, so that's why you see that aggressive stance in other countries. 
Okay, we know that Omicron is more transmissible. We're not sure about the vaccine efficacy. There is the need for booster shots sooner rather than later. Let me also ask you the big question about severity. What do we know about that? What have we been hearing? Because there are some reports that uh, perhaps uh, Omicron is not as severe with its symptoms as, as Delta and previous strains of COVID. Again, we, we're lacking data on it. And I think it's just way too early to know. You know, so we'll just have to keep our ear to the ground on that. And of course, the best source of information is going to be real world data and gobs of it. And what's happened is the real world data right now is limited to it's been identified in 23 countries and counting. And to think that just on Sunday, if you read the New York Times, it said it was only 12 countries. Well, it just goes to show you it's either spreading super quickly or it was already there to begin with and we just didn't even know it. But either way, we've got a problem. All right. We've got to take a quick break, but more ahead with vaccine researcher Dr. Iris Gorfinkel. Stay with us here on Global News Radio. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink. 